Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Understanding Health. I'm your host, Liv Whistler, your guide into all things nutrition and functional medicine as we dive into physiology and lifestyle change, all to help you understand health better. Hello, everyone. I am back and excited to talk all about the skin today. Your skin is the largest organ in your body, and it provides a barrier for the outside world. We're going to be talking about what acne is, some studies that show what can contribute to it, and how to care for your skin in a healthy, sustainable way without toxins. Lastly, we're going to cover the autoimmune condition called psoriasis and how we would look at it from a functional medicine perspective. Even if that condition is not applicable to you, I'm hoping it will be interesting to see how we take a condition and break it down into what could really be causing the problem. I am so excited that I got a review on my podcast and some ratings. I want to give a shout out to Lania Leader. Is that how you pronounce that? I am so sorry if I messed it up terribly, but I'm going to read what it says. She said, Liv puts complicated medical concepts into functional, easy to understand terms. So if you don't come from a medical background at all, you're gaining something from her episodes. Educational, simple, and to the point. Thank you so, so much. This made my day. Thank you for taking the time to leave a review. It's so encouraging to me and really helps me out. Your kind words make a huge difference. I hope I can live up to that review today and make these concepts easy to understand. And I also hope you're fascinated, not bored, and have a greater awareness of functional medicine and gain a better understanding of health. I think I'm just going to try a new transition sound every time. I liked that one. I don't know about you. You should let me know which one's your favorite. Now about your skin. We all want clear, youthful, blemish-free skin, and it can be so psychologically difficult when we struggle with skin issues because our media portrays perfect skin. Just in 2020, which was the pandemic year, so I'm sure most industries saw a decline in scales, but the skin industry generated $136.4 billion, and that number is only expected to increase. That is a lot of money. Think about how much money you've probably spent on skincare, makeup, maybe treatments of some sort. It really adds up. I'm going to cover the most common condition, acne. It always seems like when you have a really big day coming up, that's when you happen to get the biggest zit of your life or have a bad breakout. Growing up, I'd never really struggled a lot with acne, but I do remember waking up the morning of my junior prom with multiple bright red spots on my face. And another time I decided to travel back home to my high school when I was still very insecure, immature, and very worried about what people would think of me. And I had this massive zit right above my lip. It was so painful and filled with pus. It didn't even look like a zit but something even nastier and I tried to pop it but it was so painful to touch but my friend actually helped me in the girls bathroom by encouraging me to pop it it was so gross but shout out to my friend Haley for helping me in that situation I don't know about you but I never really thought of my skin as an organ before and if you're interested in health you probably heard of people talking about the gut microbiome which is why people have started consuming more yogurts and kombucha because of the probiotics they contain. But you also have a microbiome on your skin. And in order to have healthy skin, we need to have healthy microbes there as well. Your skin produces sebum, which is the oil of your skin. And you also have keratinocytes, which are the skin cells that help with skin repair. 
I recently attended a webinar for people in functional medicine by Fullscript. I'll give them a quick shout out. Um, and they do a really great job of getting experts on topics and supporting those in functional medicine. They recently hosted Professor Carrie Boone, who is a scientist and herbal practitioner. So a lot of what I have to say about acne specifically is from him. So starting with acne, what even is it? It's an inflammatory condition and it can stem from multiple pathogenic factors. It can come from excess sebum, inflammation, sea acnes from a bacteria, hyperkeratinization, which is basically the buildup of dead skin cells where you shed skin cells more rapidly. Acne can start as a plug of skin cells and the most affected areas are the face, chest, and back because they have the most sebaceous follicles, meaning they're producing more oil on your skin. A lot of times there's an interconnectedness of these problems such as excess oil production right before a women's cycle or an increase of hormones during puberty and this excess oil stimulates the colonization of a bacteria called cultibacterium which can cause what we call C. acnes. These follicles become plugged up which releases an immune response which means inflammation which means acne and my baby's crying. <laughs> Okay, I'm back with my little daughter, Gwen. She's been refusing all of her naps, so recording this podcast has been a little interesting, so we're going to give it a try with her. Uh, We'll see how it goes. So as I was saying, this whole compound effect that can lead to acne, and just to continue that trend, if you do develop the C. acne with that bacteria, it can create even more of a vicious cycle of stimulating more oil to generate. There's also lots of different types of acne, which I'm sure you're all familiar with, blackheads, whiteheads, papules, which are the red bumps, and pustules, which are filled with pus. These are all some causes. To recap, we have the bacteria, excess oil, a buildup of dead skin cells, and inflammation. But we want to get to the root cause. So why is there excess oil and why is there an unhelpful bacteria? You're probably familiar with hormones having a play in acne. Typically, premenstrual and teenage acne and PCOS acne are linked to excess androgens, which are sex hormones that provide male characteristics. To give you a little more context, testosterone is an androgen. Even females have testosterone, just not as much, but the problem happens when there is too much. Women with PCOS typically have high androgen levels, and with that comes acne. If you are really struggling with acne, you might go see a dermatologist. I've seen a dermatologist once while I was pregnant, and I was so impressed with the lady there. I doubt she'll ever listen to this, but I want to give her a shout out because she walked in and immediately knew what my issue was. Oh, yeah. Gwen wants to be a part of my podcast. Is that what you think, Gwen? We're going to have to get dad. Okay, I'm back again. Uh, I could edit all that out, but I feel like it just shows the realness of being a mom and trying to record a podcast. And honestly, her little babbles are adorable to me. Uh, So back when I was saying, um, this dermatologist I was so impressed with, I had what she called spider anginomas, which is basically just really dilated blood vessels on my face. And it's actually really common in pregnancy, but I feel like it just showed her knowledge when she didn't even have to bat an eye on thinking about what the problem was. And it honestly just inspires me to know my stuff, want to truly understand and know the stuff to the level of it being second nature. 
nature. Now, typical dermatology treatment for acne would possibly be a topical retinoid, which are derived from vitamin A and has been shown to be pretty effective. It might just make your skin a little more dry and sensitive to the sun. They might also try benzoyl peroxide, and in my limited understanding, this might also be helpful in clearing out the C acne that's from bacteria. If it's severe, they may use antibiotics as well. Those drugs can be really helpful for people, and if it works for you, that's amazing. However, I'm still focused on the why is it there in the first place, and we don't just want to treat the symptom of acne. I want to find the dysfunction in your body that's causing it. Looking even deeper, hormones, as I mentioned earlier, are obviously a big player. Your gut and skin microbiome and stress. Functional medicine always looks at the diet when figuring out the cause of disease, and despite some professionals thinking otherwise and dismissing its effect, there are studies that show its effect on acne. One of the biggest contributions can be dairy. Something I think most people really enjoy, myself included, is all dairy products. I can easily go without straight milk, but I've yet to find a good cheese replacement. I mean, cheese is delicious. It's gooey, salty, you've got mac and cheese, and of course, pizza. There's a lot of conflicting views in the nutrition space about dairy, but we do know that hormones found in dairy can contribute to acne. Let's dive into this just a little bit. Dairy is designed for a growing calf, so it has something called IGF-1, which helps promote growth. When you're a child or baby calf, we want to be growing, but IGF-1 stimulates the oil production and can stimulate more androgens. Even more specifically, they found that the dairy protein whey can contribute to acne. This makes sense because whey specifically can contribute to IGF-1, and that is a growth factor, which is why it's often consumed as an athletic supplement. A cohort study with 47 355 female patients with acne found a positive correlation with milk consumption. I also want to point out that not all studies showed a correlation between dairy consumption and acne, and that's just how it is with nutrition research and why it can be so complicated. I think it's safe to say dairy could be a contributing factor in acne for some people, and I will say this a million times, everyone is different, and people often harp on the dietary recommendations for diseases or conditions conditions, but I don't understand why because it's the one thing that comes without side effects and is often just going to be beneficial in more than one area. Drugs, on the other hand, are the same way in the sense that they don't work for everyone and some people have adverse reactions. But if you gave up dairy for 12 to 10 weeks with the goal to reduce acne, as long as you're meeting your dietary requirements for calcium, which you can get from leafy greens, it's not going to hurt you. Another big one that affects your overall health and could be contributing to acne is sugar and refined carbohydrates. Refined carbohydrates made with white flour work very similarly in your body to sugar. White sugar and white flour are often even paired together, giving a double whammy to the blood sugar. Glycemic load is simply how much it raises your blood sugar level. And eating a low glycemic diet can reduce the IGF-1 and androgens. Low glycemic load diets have been shown to decrease acne in a randomized control trial. They looked at 43 male acne patients ages 15 to 25, and after 12 weeks, they not only saw a reduction in weight, BMI, and greater insulin sensitivity, they also saw an improvement in acne. Another study was conducted where they put people on either a high or low glycemic diet for 10 weeks and saw a reduction in lesion or acne counts, lowered inflammation, and acne severity. Another thing is your gut is so interconnected with 
everything in your body. And as I already mentioned, you have a whole ecosystem on your skin as well. Some probiotics were found to help with acne. When we were dealing with the C acne, specifically looking at the gut health is going to be of interest. And a randomized placebo-controlled double-blind study of 20 adult patients with acne, we had a liquid supplement containing the lactobacillus probiotics to a placebo over a 12-week period. And those receiving the probiotic showed a marked improvement in acne. Skin biopsies also showed a reduced level of IGF-1, and this is just a small study, but it shows the potential benefits of using probiotics for the skin. Another important thing to know is that it can take 10 to 12 weeks to see results from diet, so you have to be committed. Now, moving away from the skin disorders of acne, how can you have healthy, youthful skin? You can spend a ton of money on skincare products, but I personally think keeping it simple and sustainable is the way to go. And toxins are such a huge problem in all of our beauty products. They often contain endocrine disruptors and are specifically harmful in mimicking estrogen. I know it might seem like not a very big deal for you because you're not ingesting your face cream, but you're putting it on your skin and your skin absorbs it. Chemicals and toxins and all. I think what really helped my mind comprehend how big of a deal this is was realizing that medications are given topically. You can have a patch on your arm that contains medicine and they work. They are transdermal patches, meaning they are a method of drug delivery and that medication is absorbed through your skin, through diffusion, and it will go into your body. So check your ingredients and look up its possible side effects. The U.S. does not tightly regulate products. You have to take charge yourself and do your research. All of these suggestions are non-toxic, natural, and some interesting science about some of them. Gua Sha isn't actually a traditional Chinese medicine tool. You can get a jade one, and I believe they even used to use wooden spoons to do the exact same thing. It was originally done all over the body, and it's become popular in recent years for the face. It can help relieve tension, puffiness, inflammation, and sinus pressure. It creates microcirculation in the face, which may reduce fine lines and wrinkles. I like the idea of using this tool because it's not something you have to replace continually like you would a plastic container or product that you have to repurchase. A drain roller is another one that has grown in popularity and is similar, and I love that these are both reusable and non-toxic. An item that I like to use is a dry brush. I use this on my body and not on the skin on my face, but it's literally a brush for the skin. I got mine for cheap off of Amazon and it can improve lymphatic flow and you just brush towards the heart in strokes or in circular motions. I do it before I get in the shower and I feel like it exfoliates my skin. Tea tree oil is another natural option for skincare with its antimicrobial effects. A study was done comparing tea tree oil with benzoyl peroxide for acne treatment. Both groups did see an improvement in acne, but the tea tree oil group had less side effects, but it also took longer to start showing improvement. It's also important to know essential oil quality makes the difference, and the best results from tea tree oil come from non-synthetic versions, and oils aren't tightly regulated in the U.S. You want to find a trusted source. I use a face oil with tea tree in it, and I'm prone to dry skin, so the oil works nicely for me. You also want to be careful with the cleansers you're using and making sure they're not too harsh because your skin might compensate for that by making more oil. And exfoliating is always good. As you already know, it helps remove some of those dead skin cells. 
Red light therapy is another new one, so there's not a lot of research for it yet, but I always want to include the latest research because it takes an average of 17 years for evidence to reach clinical practice. And my classes were always encouraged to not be a part of that statistic and to make it a daily discipline to be reading the latest research and to always be practicing evidence-based medicine and nutrition. So red light therapy is newer and we want to always take caution when things haven't been looked at in depth, but I found that interesting and wanted to give it a mention. It has been showed to improve the skin's appearance from acne, wrinkles, redness, and scars. NASA was actually one of the first ones to start experimenting with red light therapy and attempts to grow plants in space and promote healing for wounds. Photodynamic therapy is currently being used in medicine to help psoriasis, warts, and skin cancer, and that's with using a low-power red laser. Chase tree is another natural option for acne. It's herbal, and it's more of a big bush rather than a tree with really pretty violet flowers on it. This is an old plant used all the way back in ancient Rome where they believed it would ward off evil, and it's been used for a variety of treatments. However, acne, it appears to have an anti-androgen effect. In a two-year controlled study, with paired with a topical disinfectant, they combined the two of them, they saw a 70% reduction of acne. However, there's not a ton of other evidence on this. A couple of things you can include into your diet for skin include adding collagen. Collagen can reduce wrinkles by improving skin elasticity and skin moisture. Basically, as you age, there's a decline in collagen and elastin in your skin, so taking a collagen supplement can help combat that. You can also get collagen naturally by drinking bone broth. Zinc is a mineral many people are deficient in, myself included. Zinc is most well known for helping your immune system. It's anti-inflammatory, it can actually reduce carotinocyte activity, and some people who have an excess shedding result in clogs of dead skin cells leading to acne, so zinc might be helpful for this. And zinc's been also been shown to help the skin condition eczema. I'm now going to finish up this episode addressing a skin condition called psoriasis. It's an autoimmune condition and it's on the surface of your skin. Normally your skin sheds, but with people with psoriasis, your skin sheds really fast and scales and patches develop and it can be really painful. The most common places might be the elbows and knees, but some people can get it everywhere. Conventional medicine will tell you there's no cure and it's just a skin condition. A conventional medicine treatment might be a steroid or a really expensive drug that shuts down your immune system or an immune suppressant. Sometimes it's just topical and it can make the skin thin and it will be absorbed and weaken your immune system. These aren't the only options conventional care uses, but in really bad cases, some functional medicine doctors might still prescribe these immune suppressants because although they aren't really helping put out what's causing the fire, sometimes it's needed to help put out the flames a little in these really bad cases. And then the functional medicine doctor can start doing other interventions with diet as it can maintain and decrease inflammation. In functional medicine, we want to get to the root cause, but there's often a lot of causes because the body is interconnected and everything works together. At the Institute for Functional Medicine, we're taught to look for antecedents, triggers, and mediators. An antecedent is something that might predispose you to this condition. Triggers set off the condition, and mediators perpetrate the condition, and it's anything that produces symptoms or damages the body. 
Everyone's going to be different, so this is why you need to work with your doctor for treatment. But some of the main causes for psoriasis often stem from the gut. Leaky gut is a term you may have heard, and to explain this very simply in a way that I've heard before, it's like a screen door designed to keep bugs out and allow air to go through. But holes start to develop in the screen, allowing little bugs to get through, and then you want to attack and kill them because they are in your house where they don't belong. So basically, large food molecules can sneak through these tight junctions in your gut and your immune system starts reacting to all these foods because they're not supposed to be there. An allergy to gluten is commonly seen and sometimes people can have a lot of sensitivities to many different foods simply because the integrity of their gut has been breached. And that doesn't mean this person will always be intolerant to all these foods, but once the gut is healed and those tight junctions aren't allowing anything else through, the person might be able to enjoy some of those foods again without any issues. Candida, which is yeast overgrowth, also is sometimes seen in psoriasis. Patients with fungal overgrowth or even parasites, all of these things have to deal with your gut. The bacteria strep, which can be handled with antibiotics, and stress, which isn't the cause but can be a trigger, can also contribute to leaky gut. Vitamin D deficiency is another commonly seen thing. And uh, lastly, heavy metals like mercury, if a person isn't detoxing those very well, they might need a specific therapy to help clean those out. That is a lot of different issues going on, and we can test for a lot of these things, and we'll definitely focus on cleaning up the diet. If it's candida or if it's fungal overgrowth, the diet for those are going to look different, and a lot of it's going to work on lowering inflammation in the body. Anything autoimmune, think inflammation, and we want to lower that. If you struggle with skin issues, there is hope. Maybe you've tried the conventional way and you want to give it a more natural approach to see if that helps you. And just to remind you, please work with a practitioner when you try anything new. And of course, this is not medical advice. I highly encourage you if you're struggling with a skin condition to go see a functional medicine doctor and have them work with your individual specific case that has your needs and your root causes. Thank you so much for listening today. I would love your feedback on how I can improve this podcast. Reach out to me on my Instagram at live.whistler. And if you leave a rating and review, it helps a ton. Have an amazing day, guys.